Hey y'all, this is Culture Soup, where tech, culture, and business collide. It's a podcast that spoons up everything hot from social media. I'm your host, L. Michelle Smith, and each episode we bring you some of the most notable and not yet notable thought leaders in tech, business, and culture. Welcome to the Culture Soup Podcast. I'm your host, L. Michelle Smith, executive producer and creator. Listen, today is a special edition of the Coaching Corner. It's been a long time since we've done one of these, and we're doing it a little bit different for the summertime. We're taking it back old school, all audio. Our video version of the show will return in the fall, and all this summer, giving myself and the team a break from doing video. (laughs) You will hear from me, and you'll also hear some interviews here and there, and some really good conversations with some of my dear friends. So until then, let's talk about what we're going to do today. Today is Thursday, June 9th, and we are deep into the summertime. And I've noticed that there are a few topics that are on your mind that you'd like to talk about, especially as high-performing leaders that have C-suite and senior executive aspirations. Today is special. We're going to cover off on three hot topics that are important to you. The first one is dealing with the barrage of gun violence and the trauma we all feel as leaders as a result of the tragedies. The second is the hesitancy to return to the workplace. The new hybrid model is working for some folks, working from home is working for others, but companies that we didn't even expect to call people back to the office full time are doing so. What's behind it and what are leaders saying about it? We're going to talk about it. But first, shout out to the places where I've spoken recently and here are some of the topics. Maybe you're interested in them too. The Opera America Global Conference. I got to shout out Mark Skorka for the invitation to speak on digital storytelling as a leadership tool for the folks in opera and for that matter anywhere. I sat down for a fireside chat and you know I really appreciated their flexibility because I needed to stay close to home. My little girl got sick and needed to go to the doctor and guess what they did? Instead of me appearing in Minneapolis, they routed my video into the ballroom and there I was on the big screen. So shout out to them for being very flexible. It was a great time talking to the leaders there from the opera industry. Then I want to shout out American Express. You know, thanks so much to Ayana Harris. She is a VP at American Express who invited me to speak to her team about leading through change. We talked about not just what's going on in the cultural context, but also the shifts in the markets and business that impact them as leaders and also about self-care and how to take care of themselves in order to be at their optimum for leadership. I also want to shout out Christina Steed, who is an adjunct professor at DePaul University, who had me to speak to her graduate students on insights on culture and communication. You know, I'd already wrapped up my semester at TCU Bob Schieffer College of Communication, where I led the senior seminar. So this was a great way to um, talk to some more students 
about my journey as a communicator, as an elite marketer, but then also to talk about how culture plays into all that we do as we work with our brands to maintain their brand leadership. Where do I go next? You know what? I got some other things coming down the pike. Shout out to April Kelly Drummond, who is the Vice President of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at Denny's, who's invited me out to speak to their African-American leadership group. We're gonna discuss knowing your value, and that's taken directly from my book, No Thanks, Seven Ways to Say, I'll Just Include Myself, and I'm thrilled to say that Denny's has bought that book and they're giving it to their leaders as a gift ahead of the session. So many of you are reading the book, looking ahead to the session. I'm gonna be there in person at the Dallas Support Center and they are gonna beam it live across their Denny's network to folks in the field and also in Spartanburg where you're headquartered. So I can't wait to expand my network and have this important conversation with you because again, the villain in the book is fear. The heroine in the book is knowing your value. I can't wait to unpack that for you. And then shout out to the Black Employee Network at Audible. I'll be seeing you on June 21st, that's right. And we're gonna be talking about Juneteenth. And you may be thinking, well, gee, this isn't a leadership topic. Well, it actually is. And you know, because I blend strategic communication with leadership development, this is right down my alley. And as a student of culture, we're gonna talk about it. Let me tell you, I'm from Texas, so I understand Juneteenth. It has always been a tradition here, and the story begins in Texas. But when the federal government and even some of the private companies announced that Juneteenth was a holiday, there were people outside of Texas, including black folks, who were very confused and didn't know what it was. Now, they're thrust into the idea of celebrating it and commemorating it and you've seen for yourself, some of these brands have not gotten it right. So we're gonna go back and have a little Juneteenth 101 from somebody who knows, not just as a scholar in culture, but as a Texan, a black Texan, who understands Juneteenth. So I'm gonna provide a little information, there'll be a little learning, but there'll also be some insights that I'll share with this group on how they as leaders can impact the way their company treats this very important commemoration. And then look for me at the NABJ, NAHJ, and that's the National Association of Black Journalists and National Association of Hispanic Journalists convention in August in Las Vegas at Caesars Palace. It's the first time that these two groups have gotten together in a while. And of course, it's the first time that NABJ would have met since the pandemic and lockdown, almost two years, maybe more than two years ago. I'll be signing my book, No Thanks, Seven Ways to Say, I'll just include myself, the second edition, the remix, there at the author showcase, which we didn't get to do in person last year. And I wanna thank NABJ for the opportunity to revisit this and do the entire benefit for the authors to actually show up in person, sell their books, and get them signed by our friends and family within NABJ. I want to give a shout out to the class of 2022, anywhere you are, congratulations. I was really excited to process with my seniors 
at Texas Christian University. As I mentioned, I taught two sections of senior seminar, and what was beautiful about it wasn't just that I taught that class, many of them were with me. We were with each other, taking a strategic writing class when we got locked down. And so to see these seniors, now seniors, going out into the world and seeing their shining faces, happy that they finally did this, you know what? Through all of you who were students during lockdown and the course of the last two years during the pandemic, I congratulate you. You are special. You have a superpower. And as I said to the UNT grads at the Mayborn Journalism School at their awards assembly recently, you have a superpower and that's resilience. It's your ability to bend and not break. And you demonstrated this over the past two plus years as you pursued your degrees and you made it and you have the ability to use this resilience as you go into your careers. Now, let's turn to the hot topics. We're gonna to talk about gun violence. Y'all, the stats are in. Just this past weekend, there were 10 more mass shootings across the country. And that's post Uvalde and Buffalo. Now, if you are a parent, man, Uvalde hits you hard. In fact, I was crying and I, I was in tears yesterday watching Matthew McConaughey, the great actor, stand in front of journalists at a press conference at the White House and make the most incredible argument for gun control and tighter laws around gun ownership because of these little angels who lost their lives. But add to it if you're black or a person of color. I had an emergency session for leaders in my coaching community right after the Uvalde shootings. Now, mind you, if you look at the stats, I think the latest that I saw the last time I looked, CNN was reporting that there had been 246 mass shootings since January, and we're not even halfway through the year. We're approaching it, but still y'all, that's a lot of carnage. Something needs to change, but until then, the question becomes, how do you deal with it? How do you cope? First of all, you have to allow yourself to feel it, which is the primary reason why I made space for these leaders, all of them in the middle of their days, trying to lead, trying to grind and do the work. And most of them reported that their companies hadn't said a word about the shootings. Now, mind you, this was the day after Uvalde. And they all reported that their companies, the leadership at their companies had not acknowledged the shooting. So they did not feel that they had a safe place to emote, to feel what had really happened because life had changed for everybody. No doubt for the poor families in Uvalde. But if you're a person of color and a parent, and let's just say you're not even a parent, but you have a soul. This shooting on top of Buffalo, 
and the many others, but especially Buffalo, hit you hard. So this emergency group session allowed folks to say what they've been wanting to say, to feel what they needed to feel. One of my community members is actually in news, national news, and she just has to see this information and hear it over and over and over and over again. She needed to step away. You know what? It's important for us as leaders to feel and to grieve. We have to allow ourselves to do that. And that's the challenge as well to organizations out there who are made up of people, people who feel, people who grieve. It was not and should not have been business as usual the next day. So these leaders started to ask themselves, what can they do? And it has everything to do with how they're communicating at work as well as how they're communicating at home. For those of us who have children at home, the question becomes, do you tell them? Will they hear it from someone else if you don't? If you need to tell them, what do you say? These are all very important, critical issues that parents need to take the space and time to consider and not just rush to talk to your kids. Now, it depends on the age that your children are because age appropriateness actually has a lot to do with what you do or do not say. But then you also know your own family. And I knew that in mine, my little baby girl had been through a really rough end of the year for school. And she has finally begun to heal from some stuff that she had to face. Was the timing right to tell her? The answer for me, was no. So I challenge you to think through how you talk to your little ones, when you talk to your little ones, and what you say. Eventually I will have to tell Joni. Probably by fall when school lets in again, because I imagine that schools will have more drills, they'll have more, you know, things put in place that the kids will become aware of. She'll also be in a setting where her other peers may be talking about it. So it'll be important for me to talk to her before she gets there. But with her in summer camp right now, it's chances are kind of low that this might come up. I pray that it doesn't. And if it does, we'll talk. But until then, folks, take care of yourselves take care of your families, write your senators and representatives, pray and vote. Next up, companies are coming to call y'all. They are calling roll and they're saying, it's time to come back to the workplace. How are you feeling about that? Well, several surveys and polls are revealing that workers are balking. And you know, they've gotten used to the new hybrid arrangement. Many folks have gotten used to working from home, but you're having big entities like JP Morgan Chase, 
and other big companies and big name leaders like Elon Musk, who are making it mandatory to return and even threatening that workers will lose their jobs if they don't. What are you to do? Now, if you are intersectional, especially a woman of color, You've been quite vocal about this for a while. I think it's interesting that the masses are beginning to speak up too, but many of us realize that there was psychological safety behind this screen at our homes, that we could be camera off if we didn't want to put on the face. You know what I'm talking about. So it's not surprising that people want to opt out of the commute they want to opt out of the face-to-face politics that they have to go through every day. The microaggressions, the biases. You know, they're strong enough through this internet and these video conference calls. So what organizations are faced with is showing people the reason why and what's in it for them to return to the office because of what folks are calling the great resignation. I call it the great opt-out. Most leaders have a choice now, a choice that they didn't have before, where many companies are okay with remote work and opening up their geographic boundaries to people who don't necessarily work in the same city or state. And when you know you can leave and double, triple, quadruple your salary, do these companies really have a leg to stand on asking folks to return full time? Perhaps they do, but let me say, it's going to rely on the answer to the question, what's in it for me? A caution to organizations now, and I'll talk about this a little bit more. I rarely consult with companies about how to run their organizations. That's really not what I do. I am like Nike. I am leader first or the athlete comes first. So I address these topics through leaders and those leaders impact change. But in this situation, I'm going to turn my head to the side and speak to the organizations for a second. Be careful if your morale is low or you're seeing your retention rate decline your turnover rate is going up, be careful not to blame the great resignation. And this is why I call it the great opt-out because what the great resignation concept does not take into consideration is that the pandemic and lockdown and very importantly, the internet now provides leaders with options. So if they didn't like where they were working before and hadn't moved, it's probably not because of the pandemic. It's because they have the opportunity to leave. It's easier now more than ever. All right, let's get to the raggedy evaluations. (laughs) I know you've had one. We're talking about scathing evaluations that have nothing to do with your actual capabilities or performance, but have everything to do with personal conflict, personality conflicts, 
racism, bias, sexism, you know, the, the three isms come together. They're conjoined. <laughs> they can't be separated. Ageism is in there too, but for whatever ism and for whatever reason, you may have received one of these before. And within the past several months, I've talked to leaders that have received these. And I want to talk to you about how to deal with it. All right. So, you, you know, these are scathing, scathing evaluations and the feedback has no detail or specific anecdotes or corroboration. In fact, you've probably seen so many adjectives threaded in one paragraph of feedback. And, you know, in strategic communications, we call that empty words or filler words. And, you know, in journalism, we call it editorializing. That means that there really is no fact-based feedback in the narrative. So what do you do? Can you relate? Leaders, when this happens, don't take it lightly. It is what you believe it is. You got to look out for yourself. So here are my pieces of advice for you. Respond in writing with solid documentation to refute anything that is not true. Push back on feedback that is false and have the proof to back it. Call out the feedback that has nothing to do with performance and firmly and nicely request that it be removed. Remember, this is going in your file and your next opportunity within that company. Believe me, they're going to review your file. Then you want to alert a key sponsor or advocate in the upper ranks, the highest ranks you can. Let them know about the feedback you've received. They will know exactly what to do with it. In some cases, they'll go to their peers and their peers will send down question marks to that manager. Very important. And sometimes it's just a heads up so that they know that this false narrative is being perpetrated against you. And then finally, seek psychological safety in another part of the company or better yet, somewhere else completely. These are the types of infractions, microaggressions, unfair feedback that can follow you within a company and you could be fighting for the rest of your career if you stay there. But here's the thing, it's toxic. Why would you stick around if you believe that manager is not going to change? If they're willing to damage your formal record and come for your salary, bonus, or stocks, or other benefits, read those tea leaves, my sister, and read them for exactly what they are. Leaders, it's important to see the BS for what it is and take change by the horns. You know, I mentioned this. I really am for the athlete, i.e. the leader. That's why I exist. When I do partner with organizations, I make it this clear. I make better leaders to make better organizations in that order. I am not the professional that attempts to fix an organization or counsel it on how to be better, especially when it comes to issues involving women and BIPOC leaders. There are other consultants who do that and God bless them. They are soldiers in the war. I am, however, the leader's advocate who impacts complete cultures and organizations by supporting them through constructive, visible, 
tangible and transformative change. Engaging methods that engage science and data. When leaders transform organizations and entire cultures transform, if these organizations are willing to allow it and not be selective about who that leader is, that transformation will happen somewhere, even if it isn't at your company. These high performing leaders have the ability and have demonstrated that they can shift industries and influence business at large, devalue them, and they will exercise their choices. In this environment, they have an abundance of opportunities at their fingertips. They have options. I will, however, say shame on the HR professionals who turn a blind eye and do nothing to question these damaging formal and personal attacks. It is character and career assassination and with a paper trail. Do better. Listen, if you need an executive coach for your organization or for you, you need to go on my website, lmichellesmith.com slash coaching. Read all about my offerings and services and then sign up for a free strategy session so we can talk about what services are for you. And then also, if you'd like for me to come speak, make sure that you visit lmichellesmith.com slash speaking. And I'd be happy to sit with your organization, even represent your brand in a sponsored situation at events and conferences and the like. You know what? Shout out to the Executive Leadership Council. My client, so excited to be a part of that, especially as a two-time fellow. I will be a part of the Decoded program. That is for black professionals who want to lead in tech. This is my second year being one of their elite coaches. And man, this six month program is phenomenal. You're gonna get teaching and training as well as coaching from credentialed coaches from the International Coaching Federation. Well, that does it for this episode of the Culture Suit Podcast. The Coaching Corner. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you online. The Culture Soup Podcast is a production of No Fast Communication, LLC. The Culture Soup Podcast is a registered trademark of No Silos Communications, LLC.